Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Man, church, good morning. Wow, how are you guys feeling this fine July 3rd Sunday morning? Feeling pretty good? Yeah, I know the weather's starting to cool down a little bit. There's a nice breeze this morning. That felt fantastic. Um, Hopefully you guys had a chance to go for our All-American breakfast. But if you are a little too full, just know I'm watching. And um, I will start just randomly yelling. like Give give it a little ha! Just to make sure you're awake or paying attention. But if you do feel the temptation to fall asleep, why don't... Like Peter said, you can go ahead and just give your blood instead because I'm sure that'll be a lot more exciting. I know for me, I, I can't because I tend to, to pass out when I give my blood. So um, you will see me not going back there, um, which will be fun. But, man, we are so glad that you guys are, are here. For those that may not know uh, who I am, uh, like Peter said, my name is Kyle Ralph. I'm actually the worship pastor here at First Baptist Hanford. Um, yeah, woohoo! Uh, and I am honored to, to be able to preach uh, for us this morning as we continue through our series going through the book of Mark. Um, and a little cool kind of fun fact for you guys for today, just to give, give you a little heads up of where we're going, is that um, similarly to how Jeff described this kind of like story sandwich that Mark kind of leads us through. We're going to actually be seeing another one of those today. Um, We'll read through in a minute about Jesus going and trying to minister to the people in his own hometown. That not really working out um, well. Uh, Then we get to see how Jesus then goes to the surrounding villages and starts spreading, uh, or starts telling people and calling people to repentance. And then we also get to hear about King Herod hearing about all of this and the story of how John the Baptist got beheaded. Man, we've got a lot to go through today, but it'll be fun. We'll get some some of that backstory. So that's where we're going, or at least those are the the few stories we'll be talking about uh, and taking a look at. But before we read this text, I want to uh, start talking about or at least mention a movie, um, a book, uh, or really like a, a franchise of, of movies and, and a series of books that were written quite a while ago to hopefully help focus uh, our conversation and focus where we're going for today. And so I'm going to ask you guys, how many of you fellow nerds like myself are familiar with the Lord of the Rings series? Movies, books, doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm Carl, I, I see, I know at least one. I was like, Carl will get it. Um, As any good private Christian university student, uh, I was and still am a huge fan of this whole series, the whole lore behind it. Everything is something that I have so much fun kind of re-watching and and reading about. And actually, when I was a kid, this was a a book, uh, a series that my family would read with me while we were, like, getting ready for bed. We would open it up. We'd get about 20 pages in and about half of that chapter, uh, because those were, like, long, chunky chapters. Um, Then I'd be already falling asleep uh, to my mom trying to read Elvish, and it was challenging and weird. Um, But this, for those that are not so familiar with the Lord of the Rings series, this is your official spoiler alert. Um, It's been about 85 years since the original Hobbit book was written, and many more since then. So if you haven't heard about it, that's on you. Uh, And for those watching at home, please stay watching this service, and you can watch the movies later um, when when you're done. So, all right. 
So let me describe this world for us a little bit. This is a, a world, um, and it's known that there are some magical rings that were made uh, for all different kinds of races of humanoid-like creatures. So we've got elves, we have men like us, we have uh, dwarves, and then uh, there's a, a couple others, but there is one final ring, this one ring to rule them all that was made to have full control over all, all of the world, over all things and uh, this was controlled by this one being named Sauron. Er, ooh, Sauron, boo, you suck. Um, and this one ring to rule them all was actually uh, found in the possession of this little hobbit, this, this short little stubby, hairy-footed dude named Bilbo Baggins. Now, this uh, grand wizard named Gandalf, he actually discovers that there are evil forces coming to try to find a way to get that ring and take control back over the world as they know it. Now, Bilbo's nephew, um, his name is Frodo, Frodo Baggins. Now, he, some of his friends, and a group of warriors from different races actually go out and are tasked with destroying this one ring, with taking this one ring, delivering it to the heart of where it was forged in the middle of the enemy's fortress to destroy it and hopefully that no one would take control over the world ever again, saving the world as we know it. But here's the thing about this story is, is hobbits, these short, stubby-footed, hairy little creature guys, uh, they aren't really known for adventures. They're really known for staying at home, minding their own business, keeping to their farms, to their gardens, and drinking a lot. That's something that they do very often. But when Frodo and his friends, here's a spoiler, they do destroy the ring. What? Crazy. I know. Um, so they accomplish their task. But when they come home, all of these hobbits in their hometown, actually, they don't, don't really give them any mind. They look at them and they just kind of think, man, they go about their business and these are just the same guys that we knew that have always lived in this same old town. And they just look at them and they, they don't even realize, they don't understand that these guys actually have become saviors of the entire world. Just crazy. Now, Jesus and his disciples, they're not hobbits, uh, but... Uh, they, in these stories, we're actually going to see the same kind of outcome. People will only know Jesus for who he was, for the same kind of young man that they saw growing up with them. And in turn, we will see the good that will come from being sent out to wherever God may be asking us and sending us to go. All right, so we're going to start now by reading. Um, we're still in the book of Mark, and we're going to be starting in chapter 6 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start opening them up to Mark chapter 6. We're going to be going through verses 1 to 29. Um, but if you do not have your Bible with you, that is okay. We will have the, the verses up on the screen. So uh, we are going to start now uh, with verse number 1. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. All right, we'll, we'll put a pause right there. That seems about right, right? So far, what we've seen is Jesus going, performing miracles, preaching in the synagogue, teaching there to the people, and people are amazed by what he says and what he can do. But it doesn't stop there for our story for today. So let's keep reading. Now, kind of in the second half of verse 2, it says, Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? 
Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And, and they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. What's, what's crazy to me is they don't take their amazement at what he is teaching them and what he's able to do, and they don't change their lives accordingly. No, they actually just compare him to his own family. They look at him and say, dude, aren't, aren't you like this carpenter that we knew like a while ago? And, but it doesn't stop there. It even says that they were offended. They took offense uh, at him because of the way that he was teaching in the synagogue. And stories like this truly amaze me because in my mind, I think like, don't these people know who they're offended at? Don't they know that this is like the son of God? Like, yes, it's Mary and Joseph's kid, but this is the son of God that's in their presence. But then I'm reminded at, at, about like stories like the Lord of the Rings, like we just talked about. These hobbits went completely out of their norm. They went out of their way to go and, and, and go on this huge, amazing trek and journey to destroy this powerful ring. And, and yet when they get home, it's like nothing ever happened. It's business as usual. But here's another example that I've been thinking about even when preparing for, for this today. And I got permission uh, to do this, so don't think that I'm totally like, like bashing on him or putting him on blast. But I want to take a look at Danny Gavini, the Danny Gavini, Daniel Gavaniel as some call him. Yeah, we can clap for him later. He's a great dude. Um, but... <laughs> For those that don't know who Danny is, he's the guy that led for us this morning, um, which I'm truly grateful for. And uh, he has also been our youth director for about the last six years now, which is incredible. But before he was even our youth director, Danny was just a, a wee little lad attending this church with his this family growing up here. He was a high school student here. He became an intern. Then he eventually took over the ministry for us. But I know that there are some of you here who know the Gavinis really well. Uh, and have seen Danny grow up even in this church. Um, he, but in that case, he will always just be little old Danny. He'll always just be all little Danny. Maybe he's a kid that you had in Sunday school or maybe in a small group that you were leading when he was a student here. But let me be the first to tell you that he's actually not the same little old Danny that he once was, that you once knew. We announced last week that Danny has taken a new position with Youth for Christ uh, in the city of Dinuba, and I honestly cannot be more excited for him. Uh, I, I've told him to his face, and I'll now say it here, uh, his greatest ability, one of his strongest gifts that he has as youth director is his ability to connect with students and his ability to make relationships with them. And in this new job, he gets to exercise that gift to his fullest potential, and I'm so pumped. It's like 90% of what he's going to be doing. And he's taking a chance, and he's changing his life just to be obedient to where God wants him to be. He can influence and help point young people and young students to know Jesus, the Jesus that they desperately need. And with that, he is taking this risk, right? There's a level of comfort that, um, for, for keeping the same job for so long. Not only that, there's this comfort of living here and with his family at home, 
uh, in his hometown that he grew up in. But now there's this ceiling that he's met. There's a, there's a point where he knows, like, there needs to be something more. And after conversations with trusted people and much prayer, he can now see that God is moving him somewhere else. Somewhere that the good news of Jesus desperately needs to go, and, and he is obeying that call. And this is actually a great point to lead us to our, our next section, where Jesus sends 12 disciples to go and minister to the people in the surrounding villages. There were 12, uh, there, there, were only so much, there was only so much that Jesus could actually do in his own hometown. And so now, uh, there was, they, they left and went to other places that needed this call to repent, repentance. So we're going to continue reading, starting at the second half of verse 6, and continuing on. It says this, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. All right. Let's break this down a little bit. The first thing that we read about is that they left Jesus' hometown. The next thing that he gives his disciples is a list of very specific details of how they should actually go, go about their business and, and ministering and calling these people to repentance. Uh, and, and, and he actually gave them uh, his authority, his own authority over unclean spirits. So far we've seen Jesus cast out demons and do these miracles, but now these guys are actually given that same power, uh, that same ability, and that same responsibility as well. Jesus then, in his instructions that he gives them, uh, it's, it's this pretty intimidating list of instructions, or it's intimidating for me, at least. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if I could have actually handled a journey like this, um, you know, not being able to bring any extra food. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy, and so, like, I can't keep this size up without my weekly Taco Bell runs. And so if, if I can't do that, I don't know, I'm going to have to pray about it. Or no extra clothes. Again, knowing me and my size, I know the kinds of smells that emanate off my body after spending any kind of time in this heat that we're experiencing right now. And so I know it'll, be, it'll probably be challenging for people to actually want to listen or even be close enough to listen, uh, knowing what I can smell like, which is probably too much information for you guys, but alas, here we are. <laughs> it's, it's what it is. But these guys did it, right? Uh, they were obedient. They performed miracles. They, they did some incredible things because of what Jesus had asked them to do. And what's cool is that word also began to spread. The news of what was happening began to move so far that even King Herod was able to hear about it. And it wasn't even necessarily like, hey, this guy Jesus has this amazing power. It was, hey, this guy Jesus has this amazing power. He must be Elijah. He must be John the Baptist back from the dead. 
And in hearing this, he was incredibly afraid. And this is this next part of the story um, for our scripture for this morning that I'm just going to describe. But I would strongly encourage you guys to go back and read it. It's a, again, it's the Bible, so it's, it's not bad to read. But it's going to be a good, uh, it's a good story to keep going and to, uh, to read about. But this is like Jeff talked about last week, that story sandwich. So we hear these three different stories and then we get the history kind of sandwiching all of this together. You know, when, when people were saying that this was maybe John the Baptist raised from the dead, Herod was terrified because, in fact, he was the one that made the order to actually have John beheaded. Uh, so Herod, um, this is the story. This is uh, verses, uh, the, the last part of, of this, this uh, passage. Um, Herod actually had John arrested <coughs> and put into prison. Uh, because he spoke against Herod, marrying his own brother's wife as his own. Uh, his brother's wife's name's Herodias. But John wasn't killed because, in fact, Herod kind of liked hearing John preach and, and teach him. And, and the words that he was saying, Herod was kind of attracted to. But Herodias, on the other hand, had this huge grudge against him. Uh, because of how John spoke out against their relationship and their marriage. She had this huge grudge. And so what happened was that on Herod's birthday, he had a bunch of guys come together, a bunch of people in the same room. They were having a party. Uh, and Herod was uh, very drunk, uh, which is not good. Uh, but Herodias' daughter came out and danced in front of everybody at this point. So when I was in college, uh, they actually showed us what this dance would look like. Um, and so I'm going to give that example to you. It looked a little, um, you know, stretch a little bit. It looked a little bit like this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not going to actually dance. <laughs> Guys, we're Baptists. It's not allowed. Come on. We're not going to do that here. Are you kidding? Um, no. So you, get, you don't want to see me dance anyway, so. Uh, the Bible actually said that this dancing pleased everyone uh, in the room, so much so that Herod actually was w willing to offer up half of his own kingdom to this girl, but instead she asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter, which is pretty nuts, all for the sake of her mother's grudge. So when Herod hears that this guy Jesus is said to be John the Baptist back from the dead, he has every right to be terrified, being that John would have known that Herod was the one that made the order to have him killed. But this is not where we're going to land with beheading and dancing. Um, no, what I want for us to consider is the power of what obeying Jesus can lead to. I mean, the word of miracles spread so far and so wide that many people heard about this. And it's a truly amazing thing to hear of these miracles. But had the disciples not been obedient, then would Herod have ever heard about what Jesus is doing? Had the disciples not listened to Jesus, would these people in all the villages that they went, would they even be healed? What does this mean for us now as we're thinking through these questions and reading these passages well, when reading these stories, there are two things that I want for us to ponder and to consider. The first is this, don't remain in what you know for the sake of your own comfort. Don't remain in what you know for your own comfort. And secondly, be obedient to the call of Jesus. Be obedient 
to the call of Jesus. All right. First, don't remain in what you know for your own comfort. When I say this, here's what I'm not saying. It's a couple of things. I'm not saying to be ignorant to the responsibilities that you have in your own life or to your own family. Some of us here are married and there are good, stable jobs, stable things that will help us provide physically for our wives and for our kids. We have them and the rest of our family members. Or maybe you're not married and you're here, but there are opportunities to, for you to further your education or job opportunities to advance in your career. And all of these things are great and awesome and good things that can be honoring to God. But like we read earlier, even Jesus wasn't received in his own town. The work he needed to do was stunted by the fact that the people he taught had a preconceived notion of who he was based on the boy that they saw grow up with them. Here's, here's what else I'm not saying. I'm not also saying just to leave the church or even hampered as a whole. <coughs> There's a great thing in being around people that you know and that know you to help push you to be more and more like Christ. I believe that's partially why we're actually meant to, to meet here together on Sunday mornings like we do, is to help celebrate things together like we did already, but then to also point each other back to Jesus. But maybe there are areas in your life where you might just be choosing what you do, who you talk to, or who you listen to just because it makes you comfortable. And again, it's so good to know and be surrounded by people who know you, but we weren't created by God just to not be used by him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, that no one may boast. Great, cool. So we know that our salvation is a free gift. We don't have to earn it, we don't have to work for it, and that is a good thing. But it doesn't stop there. It actually continues into verse 10, where it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We have been created by God to do things for him because we love him. So be obedient to the call of Jesus. If God wants you to pray for someone that you don't know, pray for them right then and there. Take care of it right now. Honor them by praying for them instead of just saying, oh yeah, I'll be praying for you. And then it's a week later, you see that person, and you're like, oh shoot, I forgot to pray for them. Oh man, how you doing brother? Yeah, I'm glad you're doing okay. If God wants you to help somebody, help them. If God wants you to share the gospel with somebody, share it. If God wants you to then step up and, and start leading a small group or to serve here at the church, then lead or serve. He has given us the direct instructions on how to do this in the Bible. And we even study this week after week while we meet here to learn and then to actually go out to the rest of this world and to be a light in the darkness. There are people living here in Kings County that need the love of Jesus because they might not be receiving that love anywhere else. Or the love that they are experiencing is just a temporary fix to an eternal calling on their lives. But God has given each and every one of us the tools and authority to be an extension of him, to be an extension of his love for the rest of humankind. My advice to you all today would be to start praying and asking God how he wants to use you. Make this a regular part of your prayer life. And once you ask, 
take time to sit and listen to where God may lead you. For me, I've never actually heard an audible voice from God. Uh, For me, it actually just comes through in my silence, in my thoughts, or maybe um, through the words of like someone trusted that's around me, and advice that I might be getting from close friends and mentors or even my wife. God can use all these different kinds of people to talk to me. But it starts with prayer, and then there's a necessary time to actually listen and hear God for what he has for us. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, then you heard that I'm also going to be leaving here soon as well. Um, And if you weren't here a few weeks ago, well, now you know. Ta-da! Hey! (laughs) See ya! Uh, I'm just kidding. As Peter called it, I'm abandoning him? Something? Yeah, Christine knows, so it's not that, but whatever. So, you might be hearing this, you might be thinking, Kyle, like, you're talking a lot about ministering, serving this church, staying here, or even ministering to the people of Kings County, and yet you yourself are leaving. Yes, that that is true. That is a true statement. But, who am I as a pastor here currently at this church and not attempt to practice what I'm trying to preach and what I'm trying to teach and what God is convicting me in my own heart? When we made that announcement that I'm leaving, I mentioned that this all began with me praying and sensing that my time as the worship pastor here was starting to come to a close. I sought counsel, I sought advice, and I sought the Lord in prayer, and I even originally thought that this was going to be some kind of transitional change here. I would stay at First Baptist Hanford, I'd stay here, but that, you know, my job would change, and I'd I'd take Jeff and I'd kick him out and take over his position. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But I would eventually move into something more like the job that Jeff has, something along those lines. But later it became more and more clear that it wasn't just a a job transfer change within this body, but it would actually be a city transfer change, that God would actually put me somewhere else entirely. So now I'm trying the best that I can to be obedient. I'm trying to take a step of faith and trying my hardest that I can do and, and be obedient to where God is calling me. And so is Danny, like we mentioned a little bit ago. Danny is willing to leave the comfort of his own home soon and the comfort of his church family in order to obey this call that God has on his own life. When we move out of an obedience to where God is calling us, it will be challenging. It will test our faith It will even cost us much of our own time and our own resources. But what what I can assure you is that there is a transformation that will happen in your life when you do make your life about honoring God and obeying his direction. There's this uh, pastor that's based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, I believe. Uh, His name is John Piper, who has written many books Uh, But he has this one called Don't Waste Your Life. Very provocative title, incredible read. 10 out of 10 would recommend you guys reading this book. But in it, uh, it's, it's this constant challenge and refocus of what's most important or what should be most important in our lives. And in the book, he says this. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world but you do have to know a few great things that matter, perhaps just one. 
and then be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by one great thing. So let your lives be mastered by God. Don't let yourselves grow comfortable with the circumstances that you're currently in. Constantly challenge yourself and your families by asking God how he wants to use you. Be looking for ways to help the rest of the body that is here today or the people that are in our city. And maybe you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ. Maybe you're listening to all this and and something is, is stirring in you and that's great. And you don't know what to do about it. Let me tell you that letting God be in control of your life, although it sounds like it's giving up so much of your life, actually does provide so much freedom provides a peace and a joy that goes beyond all understanding. Don't let your life go by without letting God lead you. And then later, uh, in just a minute, we'll actually give you a chance to pray, to give your life to Christ, and then we'll have a chance to receive communion together as one family. Band, you guys can go ahead and make your way on, on stage now. But as the, the band is coming out here, um, today is the first Sunday of the month. And it is our tradition here at FBH that we have communion together. So if you were on your way in and you didn't get any of the communion elements, go ahead and raise your hand. Um, we have some guys here that will, that will come around, pass that out. We've got a few over here uh, on this side of the room. Don't worry, we're coming. We might not be the fastest communion givers, but we will get it to you. I promise. So... If you didn't grab communion, we'll give that to you now. But here at FBH, we believe in something that's called an open table. Um, This simply means that you don't have to be a member of FBH to to take communion or to receive communion with us. Uh, We just ask that you are part of the family of God. And again, if you're not a part of this family of God, then we will give you that chance to make your profession of faith through prayer now. Once we're done, uh, the band will lead us in another song as we respond uh, in worship through music, then we'll respond in worship through the receiving of communion together. But again, I I urge you all, as we are praying, as we are responding in worship, ask the Lord where he wants to use us. Ask God how he wants us to be obedient to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, and we are so excited We're so happy that we get to celebrate uh, our country. We get to celebrate our freedom and independence. But Lord, I ask that as we are doing so, that you would help us know and celebrate the freedom that we have in you and you alone. This freedom to, to love you, this freedom to serve you and make our lives about who you are. And so God, today I'm asking for myself and on behalf of everyone else here that Lord, you would show us Holy Spirit, you would show us how you want us to be obedient to you, how you want to use us. God, we want to be used by you and to be obedient. And for those of us that that may not have that relationship with the Lord, might not be comfortable yet asking God for direction, but want to be a part of this family, would you pray along with me? Would you say this? A, God, I, I admit 
that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I admit and I know that I've made mistakes, that I've sinned against you. But B, God, I believe that it is because of you that I can have an eternity with you in heaven. I believe that it is because you lived your life, you died a perfect death, and you you rose from the cross that I can have this salvation. So God, see, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I choose to be obedient to you for the rest of my life. Help us, Lord, to do that. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.